Morning, Chair. As you, uh, with a little more energy, so I'm looking forward to football season for worship purposes because you, uh, man, you've got some energy today. Maybe maybe you slept better because of the cooler temperature. I, maybe you're just so fired up about school starting that you're you're full of energy. It's already been mentioned, uh, a great wedding yesterday, Blake Hemphill and Kaylee Cowan. Um, it was just an awesome wedding, so exciting to see kids that grow up in this church um, marry one another, and it was just a beautiful wedding, and I'm, Shane, I'm not saying that just because you were here, so uh, you, you guys know Shane's one of my favorite people, but everybody loves Shane Cowan, um, so it's always good to see the Cowans, but it was just, it was just, it was just an awesome wedding. They're always so much more fun when you're not in them, <laughs> don't have to plan them, so uh, it's always good to see the parents the day after. It's like, <sighs> so the bills will keep coming in, but uh, it's fun though, wasn't it? It, it, it? We should have a wedding here every week. How y'all doing? I've shared with you before that one of my favorite uh, things to read, one of my favorite magazines is Reader's Digest. I can't wait to get my Reader's Digest. I'm old school. I've been subscribing to Reader's Digest a long time. As a matter of fact, Reader's Digest used to have a, a little saying on, on, their, uh, on their magazine, the largest circulation magazine. Isn't that crazy? Reader's Digest used to be the largest circulated magazine. In the 70s, they reached a height of 18 million. And now I read just last week, they're down to... Three million, and they may even quit printing altogether. They may just go digital. I don't know what I'll do. I'm used to getting the magazine and folding and dog-earing and saving things. I love Reader's Digest. But their circulation is down, and things aren't going as well. In fact, Wall Street Journal wrote, though its readership peaked in the mid-1970s, Reader's Digest, which launched its flagship magazine in 1922, had continued to cling to the trappings of the bygone era. What happened at Reader's Digest? Well, it's really pretty simple. What works in the past doesn't always work in the future. The direction that you had in the past doesn't always take you to success in the future. Direction is crucial. I mean, you've seen that. You've seen businesses that go in the wrong direction. You've seen sports teams that go in the wrong direction. You've seen marriages that go in the wrong direction. We see children that go in the wrong direction. Relationships that go in the wrong direction. Direction is important. Direction determines action. Direction determines behavior. And Reader's Digest realized that the direction that they clung to in the past wasn't going to take them forward in the future. What do you do if you're going in the wrong direction? Well, you've got three choices. You can keep going in that direction. You might not even see you're going in the wrong direction. You might not know you're going in the wrong direction. Or maybe you know you're going in the wrong direction and don't know what else to do, so you just keep going in that direction. Or you can stop. You can stop going in that direction and almost be frozen in time. 
almost paralyzed because you don't know what to do. I know I don't need to go that way, but I don't know how to go this way, so you might stop, frozen in time. Or you can change directions. You can change your path, realizing that what worked in the past might not work in the future. We're going to spend some lessons on direction, maybe several, maybe all of August. I want to talk to you about direction because direction is crucial. Because sometimes churches go in the wrong direction. Sometimes churches continue to go backwards. Sometimes churches are frozen in time. And sometimes churches change directions and change what they're doing so that they can have success in the future. So where are we as a Pine Tree Church? So I told you last week I wanted to do a State of the Church address. So our first direction sermon is going to have to do with our church. Where are we as a Pine Tree Church? Where have we been? Where are we now? And where are we going? So I'm going to take us back and do a little history so that you know where we've been, where we are, and where we're going as we look at direction for this church. So let me tell you where we've been, just so you know. Just a little history, just to have a little fun. If you're visiting with us today and say, hey, I'm not sure about the direction of this church. I don't know anything about this church. If you're thinking about place and membership, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this church. It all started back in the 1960s when some leaders at Moberly Avenue and Alpine and Glover said, you know what, we need to change the direction of the churches here in Longview. And they had the vision and they had the direction and they said, you know what, we need to plant a church in the Pine Tree area. That's the direction we're going. And that started in the 60s. And so 50 years ago today, this is our 50th year. We told you November the 9th, we're going to have a 50-year celebration. So mark that on your calendar. We're going to feed you that day. It won't cost you anything. There's no reason for you to go to a restaurant November the 9th. We're celebrating 50 years. 50 years ago today, some people said, let's change the direction of the churches in Longview and plant a church. So the first worship was held in December of 1964. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? I'll just keep going. The first preacher was David Ingram. Maybe you know that. The first elders were T.F. Gordon, Conrad Morgan, James Anderson. And then there was a period of growth. And some, in case you didn't know, St. Matthew's Catholic Church, that's where Pine Tree started, over on Pine Tree Road. The St. Matthew's Catholic Church bought us. We sold to them. They were very gracious to us as we were in transition But we went through a period of growth, and so we built, and we remodeled, and we had to have a new auditorium. So the first worship in the new auditorium was in March of 1975, and then there was some more remodeling, and remodeling, and remodeling. And if you grew up in the church, if you're familiar with the church, there was remodeling, and remodeling, and a second story, and a kitchen, and remodeling to the point that the leader said, you know what, we're remodeled out. We're out of room. And so in the mid-1980s, late 1980s, the leaders of the Pine Tree Church started looking for some land. And they bought this 15 acres. We have 15 acres right here on Dundee Road. But we didn't move up to Dundee Road for another 10 years. Even though the land was purchased in the late 80s, we didn't move up here for 10 more years. 
And then in 1999, we moved up to this location. Phase one was a multi-purpose building, which is the fellowship building, which is where the uh, gymnasium is, which you call it what you want. I don't want to split a church over that, but we only had funds to move in. So our one building was a multi-purpose building. Let me tell you a little bit about that. It cost, whoops, let's go back. It was a million dollars. We had to borrow $500,000. We paid that off in just under four years. $500,000. The other 500000 came from the sale of the old church building, from the two houses behind that church building, one of which has been demolished. The one that we rented for a year when we moved here has no longer exist. Kind of brings a tear to my eye. And... Then in 2004, we needed some more room, so we built the youth building, the hub. If you hear the phrase, the hub, that's our youth building. That cost 255000 We paid that off in one year. So we kept expanding and we kept growing. And then in 2006, we moved into this facility right here at a cost of $1.1 million. And we borrowed pretty much $1.1 million. So we took on a lot of debt. And we were paying that down at a pretty rapid pace until we decided, wow, we need some more room. So the children's wing, Jump Street, we built it, and it was $565,000. And by that time, we had paid down $500,000 on this building. We borrowed another $500,000 for Jump Street, and so we got back up to a million dollars. We love borrowing money here. I hate borrowing money here. So we owe about $800,000 right now, just under $800,000. And we have about 45,000 square feet of facilities, not counting bus barns. You can go worship out there if you want. It's not air conditioned. So just to take you back in time, the preachers here have been David Ingram, J.D. Lancaster, Arliss Vandiver, Larry Hall, Bobby Richardson, John Thompson, David Allen, Glenn Cogburn, and myself, youth ministers have been Roy White. You might not have known that. David Allen was a youth minister first. John Tate, Brent McLeod, Bruce Beaver. We've had associate worship ministers. John Tate, Ben Pickett, Stacy Hildebrand, Rodney Britt. We started having children's ministers. Yeah, that's radical for Churches of Christ. Rinda Nelson, Debbie Spencer, Brian Fuller. That's kind of where we've been. I know that's just some information, but that's kind of who we are. So where are we now? It's just kind of information to tell you some stuff. We now are a church that brings in about $834,000. Really, that's not even accurate. But our budget now, from being a church that started 50 years ago and not having a very big budget, $800,000. And most every year, you exceed what is needed. Almost every year, you give more than what we ask you to give. For example, missions, we have $51,000 that's in our regular contribution. So when you put money in the plate, when you put money in the offering, 51000 of that goes to missions. And then every year, the mission team has a special presentation. It'll be at the end of October this year. And they say, hey, how much more missions do you want to do? We'll do whatever you want to do extra. And so that's another $100,000. For example, since 1989, over and above regular contributions, that's what I mean by extra, you've given a million dollars over and above regular contributions to be paying on these buildings and to pay off debt. Did I mention we need another $800,000 right now? 
Since 2006, you've given $772,000 extra over and above to do extra mission work over and above what's in our regular contribution. That's $1.7, $1.8 million extra that you've given over the extra you give to the regular contribution. So I just want you to know, if you're visiting here, this is a very generous church. We love missions, we love expanding, we love growth. That kind of tells you those things. And that's not even to mention the Caring and Sharing Dollar Days. Did you see in the bulletin last week, Caring and Sharing Dollar Day was like pushing $10,000? We do that three or four times a year. So I conservatively put fifteen to 20000 a year that you give extra over and above regular contributions just to help with our Caring and Sharing ministry. Did I mention that we owe $800,000 on... Okay, sorry. You might not know, we added a uh, Hispanic ministry, and uh, we hired a Hispanic minister. Juan Garcia is doing a great job, and just in case you didn't know, we have them. We had them meeting over in room 1618, but you've probably heard the 80% rule. Once your room reaches 80% capacity, you need to go to a bigger room or you hinder growth. Did you hear what I said? Once you reach 80% capacity of a room, you hinder... Did you hear what I said? 80 per, Hold on to that thought. So we just moved our Hispanic group over to room 14 because it's bigger. Isn't that great? So our Hispanic group is growing. And Juan's doing a fabulous job. So this is just kind of where we are now. What else do I have up here? Let me tell you about our attendance. Just if you like statistics, let me give you our five highest attended years in the last 50 years. So when we average Sunday morning worship, the highest we've ever averaged is 470 in 1984. For the whole year, we averaged 470 in worship. That's the biggest this church has ever been. That's not to say we haven't had Sundays greater than that, but the highest average we've ever had. The second highest was in 2008, 468, 2007, 465, 2006, 458, and this year, to date, we're averaging 458. We are on the precipice of averaging the most we've ever averaged as a church. Isn't that fantastic? That's where we are now. That's not even... I haven't even mentioned the ministries we have. I haven't even mentioned our involvement in Highway 80 and and Habitat for Humanity. I haven't mentioned the stuff that we do in the community. I just kind of wanted to show some factual stuff. So that's why I did that. So where are we going? Where are we going? What do the next 50 years look like? What do the next 10 years look like? What do the next five years look like? Well, let me share a couple of things with you. Several years ago, the elders said, you know what, we're going to focus our attention on five major, major ministries. That's not to say that the ministries that I'm not about to list are not important. It's just we feel like these are our five major ministries, and they get more of the funding, they get more of the attention, they get more of the volunteers. Again, that's not to say that... The other ministries are not important, but these are our five major ministries. Worship, missions, small groups, youth, and children. As a church, we want to focus in those five areas. That's who we are. Now, we have a mission statement, helping people grow into fully devoted Christ followers. I'm going to talk about that next week a little bit more. But we get that from Scripture, going to all the world and make disciples. And you baptize them. And you teach them. 
And that's what we want to do as a church. And we believe that those areas, worship, small groups, um, missions, youth and children, we believe those are ways to help people develop into fully devoted Christ followers. But where, where are we going to be the next 50 years? You know, it's really up to us. No, Richie, it's up to God. No, it's, it's really up to us. Let me read you a scripture in Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house as a prophet without honor, he could not do any miracles there because of their lack of faith. He couldn't do any miracles there because they didn't want him to. He had the power to do so many things, but they didn't have the faith in him doing those things. God has the power to do great things, but if we're not willing and don't have the faith, that's going to determine our direction. So it's not really up to God. God is able. Our scripture reading, Ephesians 3, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Was that our scripture reading? It was? Okay, thanks. I just seen if y'all were listening. I mean, I knew. God is able. To do immeasurably more than all we... If we don't ask, God's not going to do. God is limited by our want to. God is limited by our we can't. So where we go in the future is up to us. So I just finished a sermon series called Questions I Get Asked. Today, I want to ask some questions. So these are questions that... I want to ask when it comes to our future. Because our future is not dependent on God. Our future is dependent upon what we want to do. So let me ask you some questions. What are we willing to do as a church? What are we willing to do to grow as a church? To what extremes are we willing to go as a church? What are some things that we might let go of so that we can grow as a church? Because the things that worked in the past don't always give you success in the future. I mean, we know that from joy bus times. Remember the joy bus? And we rode that bus a long time. I mean, we rode that bus a long time. You remember gospel meetings and revivals? Oh, there's still churches that cling to those. But most churches reached the point that they said what worked in the past probably isn't going to work in the future. So what are we willing to do in the future to determine our direction so that we have success? We are at and pushing the 80% rule in this auditorium. We can see all day long that we need to move the Hispanic group because they are crammed in a room. We need to get them in a bigger room. Let's do whatever it takes for them. Are we willing to do whatever it takes or are we going to limit God and say, yeah, we can't do that? Are we willing to 
Are we willing to go to two services? If you say, no, you just limited God. If you say, I don't want to, you just limited God. Jesus had the power but was unable because the people didn't want Him to. Because of their lack of faith. So what are we willing to do as a church? What are we willing to give up for the growth of the kingdom? What are we willing to stop doing, maybe even with fear and apprehension, what are we willing to stop start doing out of faith? When are we going to allow God to do a miracle here at this church? Have you ever considered that maybe the reason we are at the growth level we're at is because that's what we want? We are where we are because of our own abilities. Because it makes sense. I mean, we don't need God. We're going through the motions so well that, I mean, things are running pretty smoothly. If you bring God into the picture, we don't know what's going to happen. Wow, there's a biblical thought. What are we willing to do as a church? You want to go to two services? You want to pay off our debt? Let's pay off $800,000. Richie, we can't do that. You just told God we don't need Him. Richie, we can't do that. You just told God. Have you ever considered that when we say no, we limit the power of God? Have you ever considered that in your marriage, the reason your marriage is not more successful, however you want to define that, is because you've reached a point on your own abilities, and yet you haven't allowed God to be in your marriage to do some great things. I'm going to sit here and tell you without reservation. I don't know you. I don't know your marriages. I don't know divorces. I don't know what you're going through. I'm going to tell you that there are divorces that happen because they don't want God to be involved. There are churches that go in the wrong direction because they divorce themselves from God. They don't want Him involved. What are we willing to do as a church? Because God can only do What our faith allows Him to do. God has the power. And God is able to grow this church immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. But if we don't want to, if we're uncomfortable with, if we don't think, then we limit God, church. Do we really want to stand before God on Judgment Day and say, Yeah, we we didn't need your help. We didn't want to. We didn't want to push the envelope. You do know, I have to bring up, because of history, you do know the reason we are in this auditorium that cost a million dollars is because you didn't want to do two services anymore. Let's just meet together. Let's just be as a big group. You do know that was a major decision in building a million-dollar auditorium. Okay, we're meeting together as a group. And we're pushing the 80% capacity. So what now, church? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to do what we want to do? Or are we going to do... Did you hear Paul's prayer this morning? He prayed for God's direction. God, we we need to take the we out of the equation and put the he in the equation. God, what do you want us to do? Do we go to two services? 
Do we pay off the debt? You know, if we paid off the debt, that would free up $83,000 a year in the budget. $83,000 a year in the budget goes to pay off debt. Can you imagine what we could do with $83,000? Can you imagine the mission trips we could go on with $83,000? Can you imagine the people we can help at caring and sharing with $83,000? Can you imagine what we could do if we say, God, you know what? My money's your money. You just do what you want to do. Direction determines action. And what worked in the past doesn't always work in the future. And when we say we don't want to and we can't and we've never done it that way before, I'm uncomfortable with doing that. Why can't we do it the way we always did it? How much does it cost? All we're saying is, God, we don't need you and we are going to limit what you do here. Have you ever stopped to realize that maybe you are where you are in life because you have limited what God can do in your life because you don't have the faith? Jesus was unable to do any powerful miracles because they didn't want Him to. Do we want to be a not-want-to church? Because we want our direction to either be frozen in time, or can't we just keep going in the direction that God is here? God is not able to work in we-can't environments. So let me give you one more illustration. On October 31, 1983, Korean Airlines Flight 007 departed from Anchorage, Alaska, heading towards Seoul, Korea. Unknown to the crew, the computer engaging the flight navigation system contained a one and a half degree routing error. So a few miles out, the direction still looked about the same. A hundred miles out, the direction looked about the same. But as the giant 747 continued through the Aleutians and out over the Pacific, the plane strayed increasingly from its proper course. Eventually, it was flying over Soviet airspace. And the crew didn't even know they were going in the wrong direction. Soviet radar picked up the plane and fighter jets scrambled into the air to intercept in flight 007 in 1983 was shot down and 269 people died because they didn't know they were going in the wrong direction. How about you today? What direction are you going in? Do you even know? You know, there's a term in the Bible that talks about direction. It's called repent. You've been going in this direction, but you repent and you change directions and you start flying towards God. That's what that word means. What direction are you going in today as an individual? What direction is your marriage going in? What direction are your children, your kids going in? What direction is your business going in? What direction is this church going in? Sometimes we don't even know we're going in the wrong direction. Which is why we gather as a church. So that we can realign. Which is why we have Bible classes, so we can realign. Which is why we encourage you to be in small groups, so we can realign. So can I encourage you today to change directions? Can I encourage you today to look at your life? God, am I going in the wrong direction? 
Can I encourage you to ask God? Can I encourage you to ask your friends? Can I encourage you to ask those who are closest to you? Am I heading in a good direction? But the direction you need to be heading in today is the direction towards Jesus, towards the cross. There's nobody who can save you except Jesus. There's no one who can save you except Jesus. And that's the direction you need to be going in. And as a church, that's the direction we need to be going in, is toward Jesus, towards the cross. So we offer the invitation of Jesus today. It's not our invitation. It's not something that you have to do to be a part of our church. It's something you do to be in the right direction towards Jesus. So if you've never been baptized, you need to head in that direction. You need to be baptized into Jesus Christ. You need to have His blood wash your sins away so that you can become, on your journey in the right direction, a fully devoted Christ follower. If you want to meet with our shepherds in the back so that you can realign, you can tell them. They'll take you to a private area. They'll pray with you. You can say, you know what, I've been heading in the wrong direction. I need your prayers. Will you embrace me with your prayers? Folks, you need to be headed in the direction of Jesus because there's no one who can help you, no one who can save you except Him. If you need to respond to His invitation today, please do so as we stand and sing. There's not 